for the reading of God's Word from Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 4. Hear now God's Word. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And thus far the reading of God's word and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. These are really very simple, direct, and profound words. If you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. If you were raised with Christ, then set your mind on the things above and not on the things on the earth. And then he gives an explanation for you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then he ends with a promise. When Christ who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Profound, simple, powerful. Eugene Peterson said, but what appeared to be a defeat was actually the greatest victory of all. Speaking of the crucifixion. In his death, Jesus defeated sin. On Easter morning, Death, too, was defeated. Now, if you were all raised with him, this should produce the most radical change you can imagine. This is the difference in life and death, dark and light. Your union with Christ means victory over sin and victory over death. This only comes by constantly seeking and setting your mind on the things above because our union with him it's our union with him it's when we're with him does he have victory over sin does he have victory over death yes and so when we're united with him then we too experience that victory now we know that god is not a respecter of persons this church is made up of all kinds of people all ages races backgrounds And we, of course, are the glorious display. We are the trophies of His grace. Nevertheless, because of this diversity, we also carry a rather strange assortment of baggage. The Apostle Paul is no doubt pleased as he looks at the church at Colossae to see both pagans and Jews there present in the church who've been converted to Christ. In fact, the elders in heaven sang of Christ, who has, they said, redeemed us to God by His blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. This means that the church is dealing with all kinds of issues because we have all kinds of people. It is often, indeed, like herding cats. Now, in the process of our sanctification, sanctification is that 
work of the Spirit, whereby we are being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. It is not uncommon for us to take two steps forward and one step backwards. Now, while progress had been made and the possibility of regress was real at Colossae, and it is real for us also. The Jews were prone to return to their old legalistic ways, and the pagans were tempted to return to their licentious ways. We can fall into a ditch on either the left side or the right side of the road. Therefore, it is urgent, that is, urgent today, that you and I recognize who we are and that we have been risen with Christ. Knowing who we are makes all the difference. And so we must say with the Apostle Paul, not that I have already attained or that I am perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ, Jesus, has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as having apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so today I want you to be thankful for how far you've come. Where would you be without Christ? But I also want you to get rid of your satisfaction with where you are. I want you to stop making excuses and justifications for the sins that remain in your life, the ones you've gotten comfortable with. We all have difficulty living a consistent Christian life, and for a simple reason, the Christian life is difficult. Chesterton put it this way, the problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. This is the great struggle, day in and day out. We either allow ourselves too much liberty, well, you know, I'm just a sinner. We excuse ourselves, we indulge ourselves, because after all, I'm a sinner, God will forgive me. Or else we overcompensate with our version of legalism. These twin problems are both forms of wanting to be in control and do it our way. There, on the one hand, there's the selfishness, which is a version of immaturity. I want what I want, and God will just have to put up with me and forgive me. Or there's pride. I have figured this out, and I don't need any help. I can do this myself. So how do we live in a consistent, maturing, how do we live a consistent, maturing Christian life? Well, consistency begins with a full, self-conscious recognition of who we are in Christ. You have been adopted. You've received a new name. You have been resurrected from death. You have been born again. These truths require that we live in conformity with the fact that we have been united with Christ. And this happens first at our baptism, wherein we are formally and publicly engrafted into Christ. But then it must continue. That's not enough. If you stop there, you stopped way too short. 
The evidence of being engrafted into the true vine is what? What's the evidence that someone's been born? They live. They move. They cry. They eat. They laugh. They live. Romans 6, 1-5, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, Certainly we shall also, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. How do we know we've been united to Him in His death? Because it is certain that it will show up in our life. The opening words of Colossians 3 start with this premise, If then you were raised with Christ. And then we're going to see what follows, right? This resumes the thought already that was expressed in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. We're raised with Him. We're made alive with Him. And these are the counterparts of of, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world. Now, we must not pass lightly over Paul's argument. We are bound to Christ as we abide in Him and He in us. And as a result... A few things change. No. Everything changes. Everything. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you don't know who you are and what you've been given, then you're, of course, in real danger. For some at Colossae, and for some, I think, in this room, there was or is the danger of relapsing into paganism with its sensuality, that is, just following our feelings, doing what we want to do. The world is always offering you, that is, tempting you, to pursue happiness in some other way. You can have Jesus, they tell you, But you need something to go with Jesus. He's not quite enough. And your deceitful heart, let me tell you, your deceitful heart and my deceitful heart can justify almost anything. Paul says that these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion. It's a false humility. But you see, these are the things we've been saved from. If we look at the next few verses from our text today, verses 5 through 8, says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, because of these things. By the way, comment on that, covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, when we want something that God hasn't given us, and we make it the pursuit of our life, the goal of our life, the thing that we have to have, no matter what, that we're not willing to... Set it. We'll follow Jesus as long as we don't have to give that up, 
Well, guess what? That's who your God is. That's idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But, that wonderful word in the Bible, but now you yourselves are to put off all these things. And he lists some, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. How about this one? Filthy language out of your mouth. I hope that doesn't describe any of you that you have filthy language because you're in Christ and Christians don't talk that way ever. For others at Colossae and in this room, there is the ditch of legalism. For both groups, the wrong solution for their problem was refuted in chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians that those in Christ cannot gain uh, satisfaction from any remedy that is outside of Christ. Christ alone is the answer. Christ in all the fullness of His love and all the fullness of His power. If then we were raised with Christ, if we were raised when Christ was raised, why should we seek salvation or fullness anywhere apart from Him? Legalists always want to help with their own salvation. But let me tell you, Jesus does not only, not only does He not need your help, He doesn't want your help. On this Easter Sunday, and in fact on every Sunday, we celebrate Christ's resurrection followed by His ascension and His coronation. And this guarantees our pardon and provides for our purity A similar argument is made in Hebrews 10.26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. To this Savior we have surrendered ourselves when we embrace Him by faith. Jesus has zero interest, zero interest in lukewarm followers. He makes it perfectly clear. It is all or nothing. Lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. Forsake everything. In fact, Luke 14, Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, Jesus continues, whoever of you does not forsake all his possessions cannot be my disciple. And I'd like to suggest that when that truly happens, what he does, once you've truly forsaken those things, he sends you back to them. He sends you back to yourself and to your family and to your loved ones and to your things. And he says, okay, now I'm going to teach you how to truly love these things as gifts from me. Not as objects to be worshipped. The cleansing power of Christ's blood and spirit has been signified and sealed to us in baptism. The supply of grace remains plentiful. It is right now. Uh, We don't need to wait for Christ's return. We are raised with Christ right now. We possess within ourselves, as the gracious gift of God, the life of the resurrection. 
Our union with the exalted Christ transforms our entire life, mind, heart, and will. As Paul writes, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. So let's look at the rest of our text really quickly here. If you were raised, if you were in fact raised with Christ, then the next step is to seek the things above where Christ is. You see, before you're raised in Christ, you're not seeking those things at all. You're seeking something else. The verb seek here implies persevering effort. Does that describe you? More accurately, it would read, be constantly seeking the things above. The seeking is more than a seeking to discover. The emphasis is not so much on the seeking, but on the object that is sought. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. Matthew 13.45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. People seek all kinds of things. They seek pleasure. They seek money. They seek fame. These things are fleeting. But seeking to obtain the right and lasting treasures is not nearly so common. The things that are above are the spiritual values embedded in the heart of the exalted mediator in glory, the things of Christ. The things that are above are, uh, so consequently, without any loss to himself, these are the things that are bestowed upon those who humbly ask for them and diligently seek them. Lord, make me like you. Give me your heart. Help me to love the way you love, to serve the way you serve to sacrifice the way you sacrifice. Help me to value the things that you value. Matthew 7, 7, Ask, he said, Jesus said, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And again in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places In Christ. So what are these things above? The apostle has reference to, uh, has reference to such realities as tenderheartedness, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, patience, the forgiving spirit, and above all, love. That's later in chapter 3, verses 12 and following. If we are full to the brim of these things, then there can be no room for either fleshly indulgence or legalism. We can be assured of the fact that our exalted Christ has both the right and the power to bestow whatever gifts are needed, for he is seated at the right hand of the the Father. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. He is clothed with majesty and honor. And this comforting truth of the ascension of the Lord and His coronation at the Father's right hand as a fountain of blessing for His people was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. i just give you a couple of examples. Psalm 8, as it is interpreted in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, says, You have put all things in subjection under His feet, for in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him, 
But now we do not see all things put under him. It's, it has happened. It's true. We might not see it all at this point, but it is a fact. Psalm 110, uh, verse 1, explained in Ephesians 4, 7, and 8, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. And this was frequently referred to by the Lord himself. In John 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Those that seek to obtain these things that are above are not chasing phantoms, but rather gathering priceless treasures. Whatever sins you're dealing with, and you're dealing with some, right? What are they? Whatever sins are holding you captive, he has the power to set you free. Then he says, if you were, in fact, raised with Christ, the next step is to set your mind on the things above. Meditate on these things, not the things on the earth. Now, this is very practical admonition, and it means that we're to see ourselves in this world from a new perspective, an internal perspective. In other words, we're to think about everything differently. This isn't some floaty, mystical-in-the-clouds kind of thing. This has to do with how we think and how we live now and how we relate to people and how we face all the circumstances of life. How many of you, maybe the most important question I'll ask today for some of you, how many of you regularly are regularly complaining, criticizing, and whining? I saw a while back somebody suggested a bumper sticker that said, Stop Global Whining. Because the gospel presents a positive method for overcoming sin. I'll just give you a few quick ones. Romans 12, 21. Overcome evil with good. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Philippians 4.8.9, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, These do, and the God of peace will be with you. So are you peaceful? The same truth is illustrated in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. Oh, and, and be thankful. There's another thing from above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, te- teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this is the only effective way to put to death the members that are on the earth. And then he says, back to our text, this is the explanation. Therefore, our life is revealed. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's why you can do this. On this Easter morning, I want to remind you that we are dead and buried, but Christ now lives in us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These are not platitudes. This is the truth. We are dead to our old selves and to the world governed by sin. Our life is bound up with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from all eternity we were comprehended in Him, and in time we were engrafted in Christ by the Spirit. Romans 6, 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Our new life is hidden with Christ. It's concealed from the world. Not everybody sees it. We're not uh, just like Christ yet. We're not perfect but notice what 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, or we shall see him as he is. And this indissolvable bond to Christ is indestructible and everlasting. John 10, 28, Jesus said, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And then finally, our text ends with this glorious promise. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And just a pause. Let's take Christ out of the picture. No Christ. No hope. Maybe no God. I believe in science. I believe in evolution. I believe we've got billions and billions of years of molecules in motion. And when I die, that's it. It's over. Every love I've loved is gone. Everything I ever cared about, worked for, everything I did my entire life has zero meaning, less than zero. 
So people may mock this, but I tell you what I believe, every human being craves for this promise, that their life does mean something, that it is important, that the people we love and the relationships we have and the labors we put forward make a difference in this world and in the world to come. And that they're not going to all just end in a second, in a moment, in a nanosecond. Though the world will never be able to see the closeness of the inner relationship between, the, between believers and their Lord, the outward expression of this inner relationship, the glory will one day become clear to all. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested, revealed, then you also will be manifested with Him in glory. Who uh, we are bound, so we are bound together with Christ Himself. The life of Christ, hence Christ Himself, is the source and the pattern of our life. Moreover, through the Holy Spirit and and Spirit-given faith and our covenant union with Christ, we have been given life. We've been given victory. The expression "Christ our life" must therefore be explained in the light of the similar, similar ones which follow. Just very quickly from Scripture. Because I live, you will live, he says. We are always being about uh, in the body the dying of Jesus. We are always bearing about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifest in our body. It was the good pleasure of God to reveal His Son in me. Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. My little children with whom I am again... with whom I am again in labor until Christ be formed in you. But we all are transformed into the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord the Spirit. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. On the day of His second coming, a day known only to God, Christ who is our life will be made manifest and His attributes of majesty and power will be publicly displayed then too we will be revealed. Our public vindication and glory will coincide with His. Dear saints, we are the sons of the living God and therefore must live as such. Please don't step down from that exalted position. Don't go from prince to pauper having already come from pauper to prince. We must walk by faith in Christ alone. I'll close with two passages of Scripture. Hebrews 11 describes Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months in his, by his parents became, uh, because, uh, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, 
who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together with Him and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord, who is rich in mercy because of your great love with which you loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, raised us together in Christ. Father, we thank you for sending Christ, for sending your Son, for sending our Savior, and for rescuing us from ourselves, where we would perish without hope and without help. For indeed, we were without hope and without Christ in the world. Help us now to see our risen Savior and to remember that we have been raised with Him so that we might persistently seek and set our minds on the things above. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus, you stride forth as victor, conqueror of death, hell, and all opposition. You broke the bands of death, trampled the powers of darkness down, and lived forever. You are our gracious surety, who was apprehended for payment of our debt. You came forth from the prison house of the grave, free and triumphant over sin, Satan, and death. Where is the proof that his vicarious offering was accepted, that the claims of justice were satisfied, that Satan's head has been crushed? He lives. He lives. We have our assurance that in Christ we too died. In Him we also live. In His victory we triumph. In His ascension we shall be glorified. Bless now our Easter feast as you have lavished us with your favor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.